the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. You're very welcome back. It's time now for the Culture Club and Dublin hip-hop artist Nilo has just released his debut album As The Leaves Are Falling. You may also remember him as the lead singer in the punk rock band Frustration. I'm delighted to induct Nilo into our Culture Club this evening. Nilo, how are you getting on? I'm very, very good. Thank you so much for the induction. (laughs) Tell me this, you're bringing out an album in 2020, which has been a challenging year for every musician, but yet... Your output has probably jumped up in terms of people will have seen the YouTube videos that you've done for your songs over the summer. You finally got that kind of first full length album out. How much of a challenge has 2020 been? Yeah, like I'm not going to lie, it has been very, very challenging just because I suppose for me, I write a lot of my work when I'm out and about um, when I'm moving. So when I'm when I'm stopped moving, it's harder to create. Uh, plus, I have a 15 month old baby. So, you know, when you're when you're in a one bedroom apartment with him, it, there's not a lot getting done there. <laughs> you know, the kind of way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, we got the album out regardless. I'm kind of running off the fumes of last year. I put in a lot of work last year. So that album was finished at the end of last year. So I was lucky enough to be able to put it out this year, you know. When it comes to the creative process, some people might not be aware that you spent seven years reading the law. You do your MA in law. You go working in law for a couple of years. Then you pack it in to go back to music and walking dogs professionally. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds gas when you actually say it like that. But uh, yeah, I suppose uh, I put in a lot of work and and I don't regret any of that because I loved uh, I I loved the fact that I have a master's. You know, it's good for the old brain when you're when you're thinking of uh, of dark thoughts. You're like, I always have that master's there just in case. So I packed packed it in to pretty much walk dogs and, and write hip hop music which is your parents worst nightmare really when your son when your son gets a master's in law and then turns all around and says eh, I want to be a dog walking rapper what was the reaction at home then I mean not just in terms of your parents but how did your wife feel did she know that music was your calling and therefore this was the right way to go or was there any trepidation about doing it she was probably the one who encouraged me more so than anybody to do it I think she knows the downsides of, of following something when your heart's not really in it and how that manifests in life, even even in partying too much or escapism and, and all that stuff. When I was working in law and, and doing all that, like I was kind of, you know, going out Friday to Sunday and, and getting drunk to kind of forget about my Monday to Thursday, if you get me. So now I'm much happier all around person. And I think, uh, yeah, I've no regrets in that regard. And neither does she. Hopefully <laughs> she might have something else to say if you ask her. Well, it depends how successful the career works out to be. Um, you've been exactly, two exactly. two years now at this point kind of, uh, changing your musical direction as well, going from punk rock into hip hop. Tell me about the switch from the two of them. I suppose hip hop music was something I always loved, even from just as a kid. I remember I used to go down to Blanche HMV and just pick up two pack CDs, and and I was always kind of in love with the words. And with rap, it was like here's these guys fitting as much words as they possibly can into three minutes. So that was right down my alley. Um, there's a lot of similarities between punk and hip hop. You know, it's a, they have they're they're quite um, on the cusp of social issues in a lot of ways. Both both of them, and they're very energetic art forms. Although what I do is a bit laid back, uh, jazzy kind of stuff. But that's just my personality that comes out that way. You know. Yeah, I mean, I presume when it comes to that kind of change as well, because you've been playing places like Vicar Street and the Olympia. I'd imagine it's quite different to go from being the front man in a band and as part of a group to then being an MC with a microphone on stage by yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely different. There's a vulnerability to hip hop that isn't there with, with harder music. Like the kind of punk I played was very fast, very aggressive. And you have the band there backing you every step of the way. And the crowd is much more energetic. So there's a lot more to hide behind there. Whereas with hip hop, I found the audiences are bigger. 
um, it's just me a lot of the time and your your words and you're kind of like leaving yourself open uh, at the mercy of, of the crowd really a lot of the time and thankfully I haven't had any bad experiences um, so far but yeah there is there is a few differences there for sure. You've had no kind of M&M moments in 8 Mile kind of getting up on stage <laughs> and uh, not being able to get words out then. I have I've had I've had one or two of those but we covered it up really quick and um, there was one I was playing the Olympia like it was my third gig ever and I had only started doing hip hop like you know a couple of months at this stage and I got booked to support a rapper called YG in the Olympia who's like a, a famous Californian gangster rapper like serious serious stuff this is and there was about a thousand young fellas from down like you know down the country from Dublin whatever just raring to go and here's me coming out on stage before and with my laid back introspective <laughs> words you know what I mean so we got through it regardless and uh, it kind of made me a better performer to be honest. Some people may well have seen a YouTube documentary that was put out around you last year I think it was in the summer of 2019 and also the music video around hard food for hard times where your dog walking kind of kicks into your music here too and into the music videos. I would imagine you're given you're going out to forest with dogs. That gives you a little bit of time to actually maybe reflect on things and to compose while you're walking the dogs around. Yeah, that's that's definitely true, and and that goes back to your kind of earlier question of of how you know I haven't been as creative this year because obviously because of COVID, there's not a lot of work going in that area. Although I'm still trying to to keep things uh, taken over, but you know people have found out that they actually enjoy walking their own dogs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which was uh, beforehand, it was kind of everybody was too busy to do a lot of it. But yeah, that's where I do a lot of the writing when I'm out, have a clear head. Um, have some nice, you know, instrumentals on the headphones and just right away. It's actually beautiful. Yeah. I mean, look, when rappers generally tend to be quite prolific, when you guys get writing, uh, you tend to kind of throw stuff out pretty quickly, I find. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I have about 150 songs and I've only been doing this for like a couple of years, you know. <laughs> so, and I mean, they don't, most of them are garbage, <laughs> but like they a lot of them don't get released. But yeah, we write a lot. Um, I think it's because it's easier for us to write than a regular musician. You know, a regular band needs five people to come together. So I can get two songs to you this afternoon if you really need them. You know, <laughs> look, ch- challenge accepted. Let, let's see what you can do by the end of the show <laughs> this evening. Um, oh no, shouldn't have said anything. Now we'll have a listen to the title song from the album "All the Leaves Are Falling" by Nilo. But just a warning: uh, there is a bit of choice language in here. I was at your funeral. Jay-Z raps about New York, Kanye raps about Chicago, you rap about Dublin. That's it, exactly, yeah. And, and Dublin 15 in, in, in particular. <laughs> right, let's have a look at some of your picks then for the Culture Club. Let's start off by embarrassing you by asking you about the first single you bought. <laughs> right, yeah, I remember uh, when I was, I was thinking about these questions, I was like, you know, I could actually be honest or I could, you know, make something up. I'm going to be honest and say it was uh, Bedil and Skinner, uh, Three Lions, 
which isn't the most patriotic thing to be It's playing. really not. <laughs> but at the time, I was imagining Ireland. It was like the 98 World Cup when that second version came out. And uh, the song was so good. And I was I was just imagining that it was about Ireland. You know, I was so into football at the time. And uh, yeah, I just wanted Ireland to be in that World Cup so bad. Unfortunately, I think they lost to like Liechtenstein or something in the in the playoffs to get through. But yeah, no, unfortunately, then uh, we lost out to Holland in the playoffs after that. And didn't get to go to France uh, that summer. Here's a little bit of Badil and Skinner just to remind everyone. Can imagine that being uh, bellowed out in Dublin 15 in the summer of 1998. <laughs> right, so that's an unusual music choice for someone who goes on to do punk rock and then goes on to do uh, hip-hop afterwards too. Similarly, I was reading your album choice. This again doesn't necessarily fit in with uh, the music that you would produce yourself, but your favourite album? My favourite album, it's, it's, it's a really tough one to answer to just pick one particular one, but mm. I think if I've carried something along through like the last, say, 10, 15 years, It'd be Counting Crows, August and everything after. Yeah, I, t- I just love that album. I don't know why. It's just the music. And even if you listen to my album, there's actually like, there'll be musical nods to that as well and probably lyrically as well. Yeah, because this is one of the things I noticed from uh, having looked through some of your music videos. You like to fit references and pastiches and everything into your music too. I mean, even, we'll talk about movies a bit later on, but uh, a couple of lyrics from Intermission even sneak in there and there's musical nods to other bands as well. Is that something you're very conscious about? Um, I think it's just from just being a fan of, of you know, culture in general, uh, both Irish and, and uh, abroad. And I just think I consume so much music and films that it's part of who I am. So it's definitely going to come out in the music. It's not necessarily a conscious thing, but I do, I think... Just the way I think is in those uh, in those kind of art forms as well, you know. Okay, well, we're going to play a little bit of Mr. Jones uh, from the album too, oh, which was that was the biggest one, which is the one that absolutely jumped in. It was like number two on the Billboard charts at the time. So this is Mr. Jones, Counting Crows. All 
All right, there's the County Crows. Uh, one of those albums, Nilo, that kind of has a, a real kind of mid-90s feel about it. It always kind of takes me back to a time and a place when I listen to that. Definitely, definitely. I was I was loving hearing that there. I hadn't heard it in a while. <laughs> um, I remember I went to see them at Kilmain, and I think it was. They're the most dad rock band of all time. Like, mm. I couldn't believe just... The amount of just dads uh, just wearing boot cut jeans, just hanging out watching the crows <laughs> in Kilmainham. It was actually a great gig. They're brilliant live if anybody ever gets a chance to see them. Boot cut jeans and shoes taking over Kilmainham for that gig. <laughs> uh, your favourite band then? You've actually gone for a solo artist as opposed to a band in this and you're going to put a, a Dubliner in here as your favourite band. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't think of a favourite band but I, I consider Damo Dempsey a, a band um, because he's such a force, you know, just in, in Ireland. Yeah, I've loved his music for about 10 years and he just embodies kind of, you know, we're not the we're not the same kind of artist, mm-hmm. um, but he he embodies everything I'd like to be as as a musician. Just uh, honesty, and um, just you know, not caring about what people think, and and wearing his heart on his sleeve, and also standing up for social issues that he believes in. And you know, every everybody knows that the Damien Dempsey Vicar Street Christmas gigs are just like. You know, they've replaced Midnight Mass for me as a spiritual kind of uh, sanctuary at Christmas. So, yeah, I couldn't say enough good things about Damo. Yeah, because I was kind of thinking you might have a similar enough life philosophy here, given that you know, if um, COVID hadn't happened, you guys were planning a pretty big homelessness uh, concert during the summer too. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, we were supposed to do a gig called Irish Hip Hop Against Homelessness that I had spent about six months organising um, 17 artists to come together and do a few songs each in the Sugar Club to raise money for inner city helping homeless. So, you know, the good thing about that is everybody that bought a ticket didn't get a refund, so they were sound enough to keep them. So we're going to be able to do that hopefully next year when, uh, when you know, COVID goes away and we can open up gigs again properly. Yeah, I mean, I imagine you're just massively looking forward to being able to get back up and perform again. That's one thing talking to musicians over the last six months. Uh, they've just missed uh, being able to be up in front of a live audience. Like whatever kind of performances can be done over Zoom or whatever else or having your music out there on Spotify is not quite the same as being up in front of a live audience. It's not, yeah, it's not even close, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, the live streams, I haven't really found my, my footing in that world. It's, you know, without the without the energy of the audience there, it's really difficult to kind of get something good. And then you have the technical technological issues that go on top of that. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm doing other voices now uh, in December. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be the first stepping stone to getting back to, to regular gigs, which I've missed so much over the last year. You wouldn't even believe it. Tell us about your uh, favourite gig then because we're in the midst of talking about gigs. So you might as well tell me, what's the best gig you've ever attended? The best gig I've ever attended, I've attended a lot of gigs in my life, but I think J. Cole and Vicar Street, that's the one that sticks out for me. And it's because he played his whole set, um, which is great. Obviously, you know, that's a standard gig. He had an album out at the time. I can't remember uh, which album was out, but it was about, say, five, six, seven years ago. And he played the whole gig with a full band, which is amazing when a rapper plays with a full band, just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the gig, he went, he went, okay, what songs does everybody want to hear? And literally took requests from Vicar Street. He took <laughs> about 10 requests. And I was like, there's no way he's going to play all these songs. And he played every single one and then sent everybody home just delighted. You know, it was just a perfect gig for me. Yeah. Is that kind of happiness when you're kind of hoping for one more tune? You got 10 for free there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 10 bangers, you know. (laughs) Okay, again, when it comes to uh, rap music, we have to give a warning about some of the lyrics that you're going to hear in this clip. But this is J. Cole. (laughs) 
I know it's more solid every part of my hair. I fall on the principle. Remember the teachers is all in my air. Now they call it a pitiful. And all of a sudden, I'm so getting mad. Canada, 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 I fell in love with it. and big. My niggas wanted tip drill. Hey, sit still. Don't give a fuck if it kills. And mix well. I'm only counting big pills. My guest on the Culture Club is Nilo, who stayed with us. And we're working through uh, some of his uh, favourite things in life. And Nilo, I'm going to ask you next, what's your favourite movie? I was kind of thinking this might be intermission after hearing uh, a few different bits of dialogue in your songs, but you've not gone for an Irish film on this. I haven't gone for an Irish film this time now, um, although I do love, like if I was going to give you a list, I could give you a list of like, so many Irish films I love. Um, obviously, Intermission is a classic and has has kind of influenced vernacular all over the city. But um, the one I went for is Wind River, which is a film by Taylor Sheridan. He wrote and directed it. Um, it's it's just a great film about kind of a neo-noir western set now um, and it's just kind of a, a story about a murder really that happens and um, Jeremy Renner trying to hunt down who was responsible Yeah, that that's the film with Elizabeth Olsen in as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is, yeah Yeah, it's only from a, a couple of years ago Why does it uh, stand out for you? I mean, I know you've said it's obviously an interesting a noir western but what makes it so good in your eyes? It's the dialogue. Um, Taylor Sheridan, who wrote it and directed it, he also did Wind River and Sicario, and he's got another new films coming out. Uh, he did the TV series called Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, which is great as well. But it's just the way he writes dialogue and the way he shoots scenery, and it just goes together. To, it builds the story so well um, and kind of immerses it in in you know, social issues, uh, which in Wind River are like, you know, how much suffering the Native American people have gone through in that area and and how they're kind of, um, how they have basically nothing left, you know, and he immerses this hunt for a killer within that story or within that general kind of, you know, uh, social landscape, we'll call it. And, and that just makes for something amazing, really, to me. Okay. Just perfect, perfect movie for me. All right, we'll take a clip. Uh, this is a scene where Jane Banner, who's a rookie FBI special agent played by Elizabeth Olsen, uh, is teaming up with Corey Lambert, who's played by Jeremy Renner, to investigate the assault into the murder of a teenage girl. Over here, see this one? See how the toes turned out? The front is much deeper than the back. That says she's running. Here, show you. She ran until she dropped here. See the pool of blood where her face hit the snow. Now it gets 20 below here at night. So if you fill your lungs up with that cold air and you're running, you can freeze them up. Your lungs fill up with blood. You start coughing it up. So wherever she came from, she ran all the way here. Her lungs burst here. She curled up in that tree line and drowned her own blood. Well, how far do you think someone could run barefoot out here? Oh, I don't know. Have you gauged someone's will to live? Especially in these conditions. But I knew that girl. She's a fighter. So no matter how far you think she ran, I can guarantee you she ran further. 
Yeah, even without the pictures, you can kind of get that feeling of uh, desolation in the background, uh, just purely from the audio with the scene that's being set. In terms of your favourite TV show, uh, I've always find this difficult to pick at the moment because you're during lockdown and everything that's happened this year, people have probably re-watched TV shows. Have you re-watched your favourite one? I haven't re-watched The Wire recently. Um, that's my favourite TV mm. show. I've watched it about five times, so I've kind of I've rinsed it to bits. Uh, so I need to wait another year before I go back. I think uh, the general rule is like two years between any kind of rewatch of The Wire. Otherwise, you're kind of just going back over your your, your same tracks again. But uh, yeah, it's an all time classic for me. Right, it's second on my list. I can't put it above The Sopranos. So give me an argument as to why The Wire is better than The Sopranos. Then I suppose it's just personal preference. Like I love The Sopranos as well. Um, I think The Wire, it beats it for me because I've never seen a better portrayal of a city and all the moving parts of, of a city. Um, I suppose I saw it before. I saw The Sopranos as well, so it has a special place. You know, you, you remember these series in terms of comfort that they bring you, um, you know, just, just lining up three or four episodes on, on a cold winter's night when you've, when you've nothing else going on. I think I have a special place for The Wire in terms of that for me. But uh, yeah, just... Everything about it, you know, it doesn't rely on big actors. Um, it, it just has multiple storylines going on at once. And the portrayal of, of the moving parts of a city, where it's whether it's drug dealing, whether it's uh, the political system, uh, whether it's the police system, it just inter- interweaves those it completely. Uh, it just does it better than anything has ever done it. And, and nothing has ever touched it for me. Sopranos is up there for sure, no doubt about it. But it, it's not the wire for me, to be honest. Something I really like about it is that there's shades of grey all over the place in the wire. Uh, it's like there's dodgy cops, there's lovable rogues who are on the far side. No one is entirely really good or bad throughout the whole series. And as you say, you get this kind of really gritty Baltimore and you get an insight into maybe four or five different groups. And across the series, there's pretty much something different happening all the time. That's one of the things I really enjoy about it. That's, that's for me, that you, you hit the nail on the head there with the shades of grey. It's like... And that, that can be applied to real life. You know, it's not it's not like that all cops are bad. You know what I mean? It's that there's bad ones within that. Or it's not like that all criminals are bad. There's just really bad ones. And then there's good ones. And then there's, you know, it's like the grand spectrum of humanity is in every different facet of society. You know, it's not just not just that all cops are evil or all criminals are evil. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's not black and white like that. Well, if you haven't seen The Warrior yet, just go and see it. You don't even have to hear this clip to be enticed to do so. But this is from very early on in episode one of season one. And there is a little bit of language here too. No shots, not. I ain't going to no court. Motherfucker ain't have to put no cap in him, no. Definitely not. I mean, he could have just whipped his ass like we always whip his ass. I agree with you. I'm going to kill Snot. Snot been doing the same shit since I don't know how long. Kill a man over some bullshit. saying every friday night we're in the alley behind the cut ring we rolling bones you know i mean all the boys from around the way we roll to late alley crap game right like every time he's not it fade a few shooters play it out to the pots deep snatch and run what every time couldn't help itself let me understand you every friday night you and your boys will shoot crap right and every Friday night, your pal Snot Boogie. He'd wait till there was cash on the ground, then you'd grab the money and run away. You let him do that? Man, we'd catch him and beat his ass, but ain't nobody never go past that. I gotta ask you. If every time Snot Boogie would grab the money and run away, 
Why'd you even let him in the game? What? Miss Snapple, you always stole the money. Why'd you let him play? God, this America, man. That's the war. Now, Nilo, we're going to go across to our favourite play or musical, which you've picked out here. And you've gone ever so slightly left field. You've not gone for a conventional musical or for a conventional play. You've gone for a musical number inside a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not much of a theatre guy. So this is a kind of a tough one uh, for me to answer because I'm not into really musicals or or theatre in general. Although I do like, uh, you know, Martin McDonough kind of stuff. But that's more the film stuff that he's done. Mm. Um I went for the the play that they kind of do in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where Jason Segal's character <laughs> does a, a play based on vampires. I can't even remember what it's called anymore, <laughs> but it's a uh, yeah, it's about Dracula uh, falling in love with a woman and then getting his heart broken, as far as I know. All right, technically, I think it's called a puppet rock opera. This is from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> this is a song that I never thought I would write. On the night I'm dying Sorry for all the wrong I've done I've finished trying It was a wonderful dream Now let him come and slay me Damn it is The demon of the streets of London I come to slay Here I am I'll leave you bleeding in my dungeon I'll never obey Hold about your esophagus <laughs> Two more picks for Anilo to fit in here. Favourite book and author? I'm still laughing over that. <laughs> I can't stop laughing over That's so good. Okay, sorry. Compose myself here. Uh, favourite book and author? Um, my favourite book is a, a book called The Philosopher and the Wolf by a guy called Mark Rowlands. And it's a book about uh, a guy who, he's a, a philosophy uh, lecturer and he thinks he's getting a husky, but he ends up getting a wolf by accident. And it's about his life with the wolf and uh, he intertwines it with kind of stories about um, lessons lessons about philosophy and how to deal with, you know, death and, and just love in general. And yeah, it, it was a big influence on me, probably why I'm, I'm, you know, why I love dogs so much. I was just going to say, is this what made you a dog walker is reading this? I mean, I'd say it's part of it for mm. sure. It's definitely part of it. And it's definitely part of why I followed my own path rather than kind of uh, just doing what I thought that other people wanted me to do. You know, it teaches a lot of lessons about just, you know, how to treat yourself and treat other people. It's a beautiful book. I couldn't recommend it enough. And with a bit of extra time that maybe we've all had over the last while, a lot of them are getting into podcasts. Are you a big podcast guy? Yeah, I do. I love podcasts. Uh, I think they're a great medium um, because they don't they don't have the, the structures that other interviews have, whether they're on TV and radio. You know, there's obviously beauty to both of those mediums. But I think with podcasting, it's like 
you can have a three-hour conversation and and you know there's a lot of gold that comes out during that uh, two or three hours that might not come out on the other mediums um i grew up listening to the joe rogan podcast i love that so much um and then many other ones like but my favorite one is, is at the moment is tony cantwell's uh, hit show which is a uh, you know a podcast by the comedian tony cantwell who's a good mate of mine and, and just a one of the funniest guys I've, I've ever met. And that podcast in particular is just stream of consciousness, gold uh, from start to finish. Yeah, and that's I do like the format too because you say it's it's unrestricted. It can be as short or as long as you want it to be. You don't have to fit in breaks like we have to do in the radio and kind of break the, the flow of conversation. As our conversation kind of comes to an end, Neil, what is on the horizon for you then? Is it a case of just waiting to see what happens now in terms of getting back out with gigs? Because I think you've got some lined up in the new year. Yeah, it's 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 kind of just uh, feeling everything out at the moment, Will, to be honest, because uh, it, it's all up in the air what happens after after Christmas. Um, I have other voices in December. Um, I have four shows in the Workman's that are sold out um, that I haven't got a chance to play yet because we had to reschedule them. So I'll be trying to get them in as soon as possible. They're kind of socially distanced ones, so maybe you might be able to get them in in January, hopefully anyway. Um, and then, yeah, a, bu- a bunch of other stuff hopefully will line up for next year and we'll, we'll keep it moving with the music as much as we can. Well, touch wood, all goes well. And uh, you're back out on stage in early uh, 2021. Best of luck with the album uh, being out currently and with other voices when it gets on the TV next month. And Neil, thanks a million for joining us on the Culture Club here on The Last Word. Hey, Will, thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. That was great crack. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.